This week we discuss the perks of Barcelona, hemp for the environment, and social clubs in Spain. Coming up right now on Critical Grass. Get it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Critical Grass. It's stimulating, mind-expanding, safer to use than alcohol. It's the in thing, the hula hoop of the jet generation, and as much a part of growing up as smoking corn silk behind the back fence. Critical Grass. He's looked at both the pros and cons of blowing pot. He's not convinced that grass is all that harmful, but there is room for a lot of doubt. Why don't we wait and see? There's a lot of testing to be done before we'll know all the facts. Critical grass. My name is Ferenc Jacobs. I'm from the Netherlands and I work at the Huis Marijuana and Hemp Museum in Barcelona. Cannabis Harvest, Zero Compatibility, brought to you by Hacks Medroom. A lovely little track, could listen to it all day actually. Well, speaking of cannabis and harvests, today we visit the Hemp and Hash Museum in Barcelona, where we speak to Ferenc Jacobs, or Jacobs, depending on your approach to pronouncing the letter J. Ferenc is one of several people involved in operating the museum, and what a museum it is. Seriously, folks, if you are in Barcelona and have not been to this place, drop whatever it is you are doing, no matter how important, and make visiting here a priority. This museum is gorgeous, it is fun, it is educational, and it's a great place to spend an hour or two if you want to learn about the history of a plant that has played a very significant role throughout human history. I happened to meet with Ferenc just as the museum opened its We Are Mary Jane exhibit, which explores the role of women in the world of cannabis from prehistoric times to the present day, paying tribute to the often overlooked female contribution in the history of the world's most versatile plant, and highlighting the extraordinary women who have shaped the modern cannabis world and showing how women are advancing the rapidly growing industry today. But in addition to their high-profile exhibits, the museum also has an impressive collection covering topics such as Christopher Columbus and Cannabis, Hemp in Japan, Hemp in Germany, Hemp in Russia, Greece, France, Cannabis in Cuba, Cannabis Pharmaceuticals from the Past, Hemp in Shipping, Hemp Clothing, Rolling a Blunt, and last but not least, the anti-cannabis lobby with its hilarious and criminally inaccurate portrayals of cannabis users and all things hemp. I asked Ferenc to talk about the history of the museum and when it was opened in Barcelona. Well, this museum in Barcelona was founded in 2012, almost seven years ago. It was in May. 
And it was founded by a Dutch philanthropist uh, Ben Drunkers, who also founded the Hash Marijuana and Hemp Museum in, in Amsterdam in 1985. Um, during his travels around the world, he collected a lot of uh, items um, or objects related to cannabis. So he, he had a vast, well, he has a vast collection of, of these objects. So he also wanted to, um, to give this information to other people because there's a lot of misinformation about the cannabis plant. So that's the whole uh, idea of the museum to give facts and just with these objects, there's so many stories and to, to spread the, the information. So he uh, started this museum in 85 in Amsterdam. And then uh, during his travels, he also came to Barcelona. He really felt like it was a similar place, like Amsterdam, very liberal, uh, friendly people, like in Amsterdam. He really felt at home and he found this building. It's, it's Palau Mornau. It's, it's uh, actually, it's a building from the 15th century. And it got uh, modernized, well, in this modernista style we see right now, in uh, 1904 by uh, modernista architect uh, Raspal, which is a contemporary of Gaudi. And while well, he saw this building, it was up for sale, and he was like so amazed by the building. It was pretty worn down, actually, because it was uh, closed for, for 10 years, so nobody uh, did anything with the building. And he bought the building to house his, uh, another part of his collection in Barcelona. So we have a museum in Amsterdam and a museum in Barcelona. We're part of the well, this this company group founded by Ben Drunkers. Ben Drunkers first founded Sensi Seeds, and he also founded in the 90s Hempflex. And then you have the Hash Marijuana and Hemp Museum here in Barcelona, in Amsterdam. And he also founded recently Hemp Story. It's a, well, it's a small boutique with with hemp products. It's also in Amsterdam, ne right next to the museum. So we're part of this bigger group of, of companies related to cannabis. There are s different objects, of course, but we explain the, the same story. The audio guide is also, it's, it's the same audio guide with the same information, but here in Barcelona, we added information about the building. So people can also learn about the architectonical, the historical part of the building itself. Ben Drunkers really felt at home here in Barcelona during his travels. His daughter, one of his daughter also did in Erasmus here. So she studied here, so he really came over to, to visit her. And he really fell in love with, with the city. So, it's, which also happened for me, for example. I also came here 15 years ago and I instantly fell in love. Well, it happens to a lot of people coming to Barcelona. You also see it during, during Spanabis now. So many people are coming to Barcelona and like they really feel like attracted to this city, which has so many things to offer. To echo Ferenc a bit, Barcelona is one of those places that will quickly steal your heart if you aren't careful. So Ben Dronkers of Sensi Seeds fame is the one who gave both museum locations to the world, and we shall remain forever grateful, of course. So Ferris mentioned why Mr. Dronkers decided on Barcelona for his museum, and if you've been here before, you will agree that Barcelonians are indeed a tolerant, open, and friendly folk, so the conditions for setting up a museum of this nature were quite ripe. But I also wondered about the history of hemp slash cannabis in this region and how long it's been around in local Catalonian as well as Spanish culture. For a pretty long time, actually, if we even go back to the, the Spanish kings uh, during the 15th, 16th century, there were already, um, they made some laws, actually, that uh, Spanish farmers should grow hemp because they really, for all the industrial aspects of, of this plant, 
for example, also the Columbus. I, I don't know if you've seen the Columbus uh, statue in Drasanas. There's this um, journalist who says that these leaves are hemp leaves around the, the statue. Columbus used uh, used hemp to to travel to to discover the new world, actually the new continent, and um, that's what's in the the statue also represented. He used it not only for his clothes, he used it in the, for the sails, the ropes, everything on his ships was made from hemp, and this hemp was cultivated in Spain. You know, so. Um, it's a long history of hemp cultivation and obviously people here in Spain also knew the medical uh, aspect of the plants. Uh, I even when we when we uh, when the museum got opened so many people here in, in Spain or in Barcelona started talking like ah yeah of course and yeah I know my my there was even a hemp factory here in Barcelona in Poblano. You know a, a lot of clothing a lot of shoes were were made of hemp until recently until the prohibition actually. During the opening of the museum, uh, Ben Drunkers invited a lot of people from the neighborhood also to visit the museum for free to see like, okay, this is the building, we've, renov we've renovated the building, this is the, the museum, so people could have a, have a quick well, look at the museum, what's, what's going on here, what's here to see. And there were even some old elderly ladies who were saying, yeah, yes, when I was a child, my mother put in some hemp leaves. If, if I had trouble sleeping, they put on hemp leaves in the, my pillow so I could sleep better. You know, and there was all these stories of all these people here in the neighborhoods who were like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, you know, so what's, like what you said, it's, it's part of the collective uh, memory of, of the people also in Spain. Laws mandating the cultivation of hemp. Sound familiar? Those of you who've read about the history of the U.S. colonies probably will have heard about this. Hemp arrived in colonial America with the Puritans in the form of seed for planting and as fiber in the lines, sails, and caulking of the Mayflower. British sailing vessels always had a store of hemp seed, and British colonies were compelled by law to grow it. That's right, the government made people grow hemp. Hemp fiber was so important to colonial America that farmers were compelled by patriotic duty to cultivate it, and they were allowed to pay taxes with it. Imagine sending in pounds of hemp to the IRS on April 15th nowadays. George Washington grew hemp and encouraged all citizens to sow it widely, and some even claimed he smoked it as well. Thomas Jefferson bred improved hemp varieties and invented a special break for crushing the plant's stems during fiber processing. So hemp played a pretty significant role in the development of the United States, one can argue. As Ference mentions, hemp and cannabis home remedies also exist in the collective memory of Spaniards and Catalonians. But with prohibition, which also made its way to Europe last century, comes prejudice, stigmatization, and demonization. I wanted to know where Barcelona stood in this respect. Yes, we do encounter a lot of prejudice, actually. During the setting up of the museum, we didn't encounter any problems. People were actually really ha uh, happy that we, we were... Well, renovating this, this beautiful building also. And every time, sometimes it's also like there's a lot of prejudice beforehand. And if you invite somebody to the museum and then you explain the history and you explain the plans, they get out in a very different way, you know? So they're like, oh, yes, it's not like what I thought it was. That's why also the, the industrial part, it's like almost the biggest part of the museum. 
because of this demonization, people really get into like, oh yeah, you smoke it, and then you also I have friends or you talk with acquaintances, they say yeah, and then you get psychic and you get uh, paranoia, and you know it's really like okay, so hold on, um, there's these other aspects also, and there's a lot more information, and there has to be a lot of more research done also, and we were clinging on on these facts spread by media. And it's like, okay, let's have a like broader, wider conversation of this, this plant. For example, the city council, we didn't encounter any problems. Also, the city council really helps us out. Also in the, the tourism uh, bureau of, of Barcelona, we're in there. They're very happy to be part. They um, talk about it. We're also with our leaflets on the Ramblas, for example, uh, no problem. They're very helpful also. But sometimes you encounter people, it's not like institution, but you encounter just one specific person. Where I see it most is in publicity, where we can have publicity, for example. Uh, if we want to have a publicity video, uh, no, a promo video in the subway, for example, no problem. But if you wanted to have in a train, there's this one person, the director, who takes charge of this. And he said, no, 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 I don't want marijuana in my, in my train. You know, so it's it's really strange. So we can be, for example, in the subway, but we cannot in the, be in the train. We can be in the bus, but we cannot be in the taxi. It's 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 we can be in the street, but then the city council said no. We don't want to have big leaves in city banners, but you can be with street posters. It's okay. It's like this. It's basically like. Um, this one person or this director who has this opinion about the plant, and then yeah. They have these laws. They say, no, we cannot promote drugs. And they're like, yeah, we're not promoting drugs. We're just promoting a museum about a plant. You know, but it's, it's really strange that sometimes you encounter with a lot of prejudices. And then sometimes also with, for example, which happened with the trains, like, okay, why don't you come visit the museum? Then I explain you the history. You can see the building and then you see that there's this whole other aspects also. And then, in most of the times, people change their mind and like, okay, yes, you can have publicity. Of course, no problem. I understand. This is a beautiful building. A lot, more, a lot of people, well, everybody should know about this history. That's also part of the museum. So we also, you, you know, also see it in the marketing. We, we have to educate people. It's like, it's, it's, it's like that. So it's also like during everyday work here in the museum, you encounter these things and you're like, okay, this is the purpose of the museum. We have to educate people. We have to spread the word. So it seems the attitude of locals, for the most part, is one of acceptance and tolerance, with the occasional exception of advocating for cannabis in public spaces, specifically when it comes to advertising. In the business world, anything cannabis-related is still treated as somewhat taboo. Until legalization occurs and the threat of arrest is gone, people will still have a careful or reserved approach to cannabis, especially in public. But in Catalonia, you'll be hard-pressed to find picket lines of anti-cannabis protesters, and you won't really see SWAT teams breaking into buildings like you still see in the US, for example. Which leads me to the next question. How legal is cannabis in Spain? What exactly are the laws and how do these cannabis social clubs work? It's still illegal. Also, with the former government, uh, they got pretty strict also, because first there were some 
not laws, but some like court cases where people could have three plans on their balcony. And then everybody said, yeah, you can just have three plans. And then uh, there was this new government by Rajoy, uh, President Rajoy. And he said like, okay, no, um, nobody can cultivate. Nobody, there was this harsh law and now they, it got reversed. But still, uh, these cannabis clubs, how they function is like everybody has a right to cultivate one plant. So every member has a plant and the club takes care of this plant. So people can um, uh, enjoy the flowers cut from their own plant in the cannabis club. So it has to be in a private uh, situation. So also they can only smoke and consume uh, or vaporize or whatever they do their own plant inside the club. They cannot take it outside of the club. What happens, a lot of people do that or they treat the clubs like it's a coffee shop. They just go in and then buy and then they go out. And well, that's not the idea of the, of the, the social clubs actually. So that's also where there's a lot of police inside the streets or outside of the clubs and they're like registering people or seeing what people are doing on the streets because it's not allowed also to smoke on the street. But, but sometimes people will join inside a club and then they go out, start smoking in the street and then they get a fine because it's still illegal. Because a lot of people think, yeah, with the social clubs, oh yeah, it's really normalized and then they treat it like coffee shops, but it's not. It's it's a different concept of, of how to treat this yeah illegal plants inside private spaces actually you can consume uh, cannabis in your private area also at home you can consume uh, no problem so that's also the same what happens in holland it's cultivation is illegal like the same in holland cultivation is illegal so it's magically appears in your home or you know what happened here was was also uh, i think it was two years ago the catalan government of this region uh, they realized, okay, yes, we have almost 200 cannabis clubs in the city or in Catalonia, in the area, there are more. Um, so we kind of have to regularize uh, the traffic, what's going on, or the cultivation. So there was this grassroots movement of the Catalan cannabis movement um, uh, to get uh, recognition also of like, yeah, what's going on. And the Catalan uh, government approved uh, this like uh, traffic between your home and the club, so you could consume it in the club. Uh, traffic also between the cultivation and the cannabis clubs to get this legalized and not to stigmatize it or just find people or you know it's so that was very interesting. But it got directly shut down by the Spanish government. It was pretty harsh, actually, also because it was really like this grassroots movement. Uh, the majority of the Catalan government was in favor, voted in favor of this part of, and then the Spanish central government said, "Yeah, this is on it's on its way to full legalization almost, and we don't want that Spain is, dif is different or Spain wants to is against this the central government, so they shut it down, which was yeah pretty harsh for the movement here, actually. Much like the Netherlands. Cannabis is illegal in Spain, at least for commercial or recreational purposes, but it is decriminalized for personal cultivation and use as long as it's not being sold or exchanged, or if you have a few plants growing at home that they aren't visible from public areas, i.e. your balcony. The social clubs, as Ferenc mentions, operate in a gray area and are a popular way for tourists to obtain and use cannabis within the framework of a technically legal private collective. In 2017, the Catalonian government decided to legalize the consumption, cultivation, 
and distribution of cannabis, though the federal government in Madrid didn't share the same enthusiasm, much like they weren't appreciative of Catalonia trying to break apart from the rest of the country in their independence referendum. Add to that Catalonia's attempt to ban bullfighting and the national government's overturn of that ban, and now you have multiple bones of contention between the two camps. The social club model, however, has been so successful to the point where they have popped up all over the country, and Barcelona's attitude towards consumption lounges coupled with its hosting of Spanibus, Europe's top cannabis expo, has arguably made the city Europe's top cannabis destination. So the laws are not all cut and dry, and potentially quite confusing. It's still too difficult to say how soon we will see a California or Canada-style legalization, if ever, but things are tilting in favor of the pro-cannabis cohort. Another very relevant topic worth discussing, especially in today's political climate, is the environment and the related climate crisis. Hemp is known for being very environmentally friendly and a good source for producing all sorts of useful and necessary products. I asked Ferenc what the current trends were with respect to hemp and protecting the environment in Spain. What's happening right now, there's this in Spain. Um, I got in contact with some, some guys, uh, girls, guys. It's a group of young people uh, who are very in favor of this whole environmental movement. And they got connected to the hemp plant and now they're producing uh, hemp uh, backpacks, for example. So they're producing these, these hemp bags, uh, hemp hand bags, uh, backpacks and everything because they're really like, okay, we have to... Also, if you compare it, for example, to cotton hemp, it's, it's so more environmentally friendly, the, the hemp plant, the cannabis plant, than the cotton plant. So why not use this hemp plant? So they're, well, they get their hemp uh, elsewhere, not from Spain. They produce it in uh, Nepal and then they produce it and they market it here in Spain. And then just also get the word out of, of this hemp plant, which, which is also what we are doing here in the museum. So you see there's a lot of um, small businesses picking up on the hemp plant and then seeing the the benefits of the hemp plant. For example, what's, what's happened also, we have it here in the museum. We got a donation from uh, there's this... Van Eco, it's in Holland. It's um, it's a scooter made completely of hemp. The whole uh, body is is made of the hemp uh, plastic, which is also very interesting. Last year we had a temporary exhibition here downstairs. Where now is the We Are Mary Jane exhibition. We have uh, we had a scooter with hemp. It's it's completely made of hemp plastic. We had an exhibition about hemp plastic and all the benefits of hemp plastic. Because we're also what happens in Europe. They're prohibiting now the the use of uh, yeah these all the ri- plastic derived from oil mm-hmm. and it's like okay why not make um, with you can do it also with corn but but hemp is also very interesting in in, in this part or also with hemp 3D printing uh, there's also a lot of companies working also in Italy and in Spain they're working like okay why not you know people get to know about these benefits and we have to be more environmental consciously. And you really see that that's a movement that's happening right now. And a lot of people get connected to the hemp plant in, in Spain and in, in across Europe, actually. For example, one of our company, Hempflex, has uh, hemp cultivations going on in the northern part of Holland and in Romania. Mm-hmm. So we also produce our own hemp, actually. And that's also what Hemp Story, the, the shop I told you about, the boutique in Amsterdam, is all about. It's called Hemp Story to explain also the story of hemp through 
products which are made uh, today. You know, there's so many people also in Sweden and there's so many people making new products of, of hemp. So vehicles, 3D printing, hemp plastics, hemp clothing, and even hemp-derived foods are gaining in popularity all across the continent. I find it a little strange that in a country like Spain, which has plenty of land and excellent conditions for growing hemp, decides to import some of it all the way from Nepal, though it's not the only country in the world that does so when it can fully supply itself domestically. But there is some regional exchange happening in Europe, and it's certainly better than not using hemp products at all, and constitutes, at the very least, a step in the right direction. Hopefully, more and more localities throughout Spain, and Europe for that matter, will notice the potential hemp products bring not just to the consumer, but also the environment, and this is precisely what Ferenc and his team are here for. Well, here we are in the 21st century, we see laws changing quite fast throughout the West, yet we still have people going to prison for cannabis, and we still have laws in place limiting people in terms of what they can do with the plant. Is there a reason to be hopeful things will get better soon? And are we on the verge of a breakthrough? Yes. Well, I, I prefer thinking that actually that it's a very bright future for a cannabis plant. Um, it's going to be difficult. Um, but also with, with, with the opening we had last Thursday with our new temporary exhibition, We Are Mary Jane, we invited so many cannabis women to the exhibition. There was so many turnouts. It was pretty amazing, actually, the turnout. So you see there's so many people involved in the movement and it's so nice to see all these people who are fighting for it. So, you know, um, it's true that um, if you look at the history, also what we explained in the museum, yeah, it started in the 60s, the 70s, this movement for cannabis legalization. And yeah, we're almost, yeah, 50, 40 years later. And what really has changed, not much actually, you know, but still seeing all these people and what's happening now in Canada, California, uh, what happened in Uruguay several years ago, I see a very bright future for, 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 for the cannabis plants. And also what happened with the cannabis laws here in Catalonia, I think the new government is also looking into that. It's in the Spanish government, like, okay, there's this movement. We have to create laws around this. We have to, you know, why are we demonizing this plant? It's like also a lot of people, what I said earlier also, it's like people can read a lot of information on the internet also, see, you know, so they get, okay, um, what's this all about? It's not like they get this information watching TV and they, it's this one-way street, you know, of information. It's, it's going double, people can comment, people can talk about it, have discussions, you know, so I think... Maybe what's if, if you compare it to the 60s and 70s that now we're living in this very digital age and um, photos from our exhibition last Thursday got around the whole globe in, in hours, in a matter of hours, you know, and everybody's talking about women in cannabis. And like, okay, so, you know, it's, it's really easy to spread the word. I'm very hopeful and I prefer to be hopeful actually. So also, and it's, it's also everybody who's visiting the museum, you see this change in the faces, not only because of, of the building, but also what they've learned about plants. And it's like, they get hopeful also, you know, it's like, okay, we have to do this. So we probably won't see any major breakthroughs in the next year or two, but stranger things have happened. You never know, the future is unwritten after all. But legalization and destigmatization won't happen on their own. That is up to us, and it has to happen from the ground up. 
So where do we go if we want to find out more about the Hemp and Hash Museum? Yes, it's in Calle Ampla uh, 35 in, in Barcelona, so in the Gothic Quarter. On Instagram, it's at uh, Hash Museum, uh, also on website hashmuseum.com. We also on Facebook, Twitter, it's all Hash Museum. Sadly, we have to wrap up for this week, but not before saying goodbye to our esteemed guest. Ferenc Jacobs, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, good luck uh, with uh, all the, the exhibitions uh, and uh, yeah, with the Spanabis in town. So I uh, wish you all the best and uh, I'll see you next time uh, in uh, Barcelona, maybe next year in Spanabis. Great, thank you very much. That is a wrap for episode 21. Once again, we wanted to thank Ferenc and the rest of the crew at the Hash and Hemp Museum. If you have the chance to go, do not miss it. As always, feel free to share the podcast with friends, enemies, and even frenemies via the internet. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash criticalgrass. See you very soon with another exciting episode, everyone. Hasta la pasta.